now, here's Frank Cusimano on 590 The Fan, KFNS, and 590TheFan.com. Good morning and welcome. Hollywood Casino Press Box on the all-new 590 The Fan. Frank Cusimano with you until 12 o'clock. Good program lined up for you. Normally, Bob Ramsey is here from 10 to 12. He is on his way here. He's at the airport right now after doing the Billikens and VCU game. So we'll get into some discussion about SLU and another disappointing night on the road at VCU. Uh, we're also going to talk some Blues hockey. What's going on there? They've lost six games in a row. And I don't know if there is a win in sight, but there is going to be some winning done by our football team. The Battlehawks will get into that. And our soccer team, St. Louis City SC, as they prepare for this historic game Saturday night at 7.30 at City Park. But we're going to open up today by going straight to Jupiter because Rob Raines is standing by. He's been covering the Cardinals in spring training. Rob, great to be with you. How are you, sir? I am great, Frank. Thank you. Um, I know we've had World Baseball Classics before, but this one just seems different, mainly because so many of the Cardinals either have left or are leaving today, kind of describe how things are dramatically different with everybody basically leaving Jupiter. Or, not, or about 19 players in the organization, or is it 17 now? I think it's down to 17, yeah. One of the minor league guys uh, decided not to go, and then Yvonne Herrera decided not to go to play for Panama. So I think you're at 17, 13 off the uh, either major league roster or the people who are there on a non-roster invitation basis in the, ma- in the major league clubhouse and then four minor leaguers. So, yeah, I think we got about another three or four days, most of the I think the U.S. guys like Wainwright and, and Michaelis and those, Aaron Adam Goldschmidt, they're leaving Monday, I believe it is. So they've got a few more days here. But, yeah, that, it's going to be strange once they're all gone. It's, uh, you know, it's going to open up a lot of opportunities, a lot of playing time for a lot of other players, but it's going to be seem to, weird to be watching the Cardinals and not see all those familiar faces. Yeah, it's, it's wild to think, well, my, our, our shortstops in South Korea, our center fielder, our left fielder is in uh, Tokyo. <laughs> it's just crazy. Yeah. So well, it's, guys in Phoenix. Yeah. yeah it's, so it's really early right now. But I'm wondering, do you, do you think what we're looking at, let's go specifically outfield, do you think that we're looking at a battle of four for three with Jordan Walker still in it? Or do you think, like, Tyler O'Neill's guaranteed and it's basically three for two with Walker, Carlson, and Newtbar battling for the two spots? Is that what it's looking like right now? Well, I think all those guys, I don't think anything's going to happen with, with Newbar, Carlson, O'Neill. I think those guys are on the club. I mean, what's Oh, I know that. I'm talking about starting. Yeah, playing, playing time, yeah. And, and that's going to be determined by how Walker plays. And he's one of those guys that's going to benefit from, from Newbar and O'Neill being gone for at least a couple of weeks. Now, how long those guys are gone for the WCC, obviously, is going to be determined by how far their team advances. But, you know, you got to figure that especially the, the Japanese guys and the U.S. team is going to be there for a while. So, um, you know, I think that, um, you know, the interesting thing is going to be if Walker plays really well, and he has played really well to this point, what do they do? I mean, obviously, he's not going to be uh, on the major league roster if he's not playing. You know, he's not necessarily playing every day, but playing the majority of times, you know, like five games a week or whatever. So uh, he's going to force their hand a little bit, and if everybody else is healthy, then it's going to be interesting to see what they what they do. You know, the, the trickle-down effect might affect somebody like Juan Yepes. I mean, you know, who you think is going to be you know, primarily one of the main DHs, but maybe that's the role that goes to whichever outfielder is not playing that particular day. Hmm. Rob Raines with us, Hollywood Casino Press Box, all-new Five Night of the Fan. I don't know how they train, like, in Tokyo or, or South Korea, um, 
But I'm wondering, like a guy like Newt Bar, who's got a good thing going right now with the way he finished up last season with his offseason and some of that, you know, velo time. I wonder if that's a detriment that he's not working with the Cardinal, you know, hitting coaches and instructors and training in this environment, which has gotten him to, you know, to becoming on the cusp of an everyday outfielder. Yeah, I don't think he's going to do anything different over there. I mean, he's going to train the same way he's, he knows how to train. These guys have told him what to work on. He's going to be working on that. And I don't, I think, you know, the, the fact of playing in those, those exciting games is going to be a plus for him. You know, he doesn't have a lot of big tournament kind of experience, you know, obviously not a lot of postseason experience, uh, you know, with the Cardinals. So I think that's going to be something that he can learn from and, and, and grow with. I think I, yeah, I don't, I don't see, you know, downsides. I think the downside would be somebody would leave here and go to, you know, play for a team and not really get a chance to play, you know, just be kind of a reserve and they're missing playing time that, you know, they would have gotten here. So I think that, you know, I remember and Mitchell Boggs was an example. I mean, I think it was what the 2013 world baseball classic left here and, you know, really kind of got overused at WBC and, and it wrecked up his season and potentially wrecked up his career by what happened. So I think that's something you kind of worry about a little bit is, is just how guys are used. And I think they've kind of maybe refined that a little bit. I know that we, they were talking, some a couple of guys talking the other day about Palante, you know, who's going to be on Team Italy and they're real careful with telling him how much. We're losing Rob. Rob, go back to that spot you were originally at when we began this interview because that was uh, really good audio. Are you there now? I'm still right here. I didn't move. Oh, okay. That's just a bad cell area, a uh, bad well, cell you know, moment, I should say. Happens. All right, uh, let me let me get to uh, like to follow up on your response to that. Would a guy like Herrera is that the reason he backed out of the WBC because he's trying to beat out Andrew Kisner for a job? I think he he backed up probably because he didn't know how much he would. Over there, it's a long flight. I mean, Panama would have been playing in Taiwan, and I think they probably the odds of them, you know, being one of the two teams that would advance out of that region are not great. So he's like, do I really want to go over there for, you know, a couple of games and I'll miss all that time when I could be here learning and playing with Contreras and, you know, and for refreshing the coaches and stuff? I, you know, I think he's, he's pretty much resigned, I think, to going back to Memphis to playing AAA. You know, where he can start every day as opposed to sitting on the bench here. But I think the time that he gets here working with those other guys is really valuable to him. Yeah, what would be the perceived weakness of him? Because I think there was a stretch at least two years ago where we thought, well, when Yachty leaves, we're fine. We got this young phenom. And then all of a sudden that perception changed. What does he have to do? I just don't think he's quite ready yet. I mean, I think he's still, what, 23 years old. I mean, he's still a a young player, but he's not maybe the, the phenom part of it, maybe not as right as it was a couple of years ago, but I don't think it's a, I don't think he's done anything wrong. I just think he needs to play. I mean, I think, you know, we, we see that with some of these other young guys, you know, we've seen a you know, the discussion about Carlson. We saw with Gorman, we've seen it about Libertor. You know, I mean, I think that any, any young player who's right on the verge of making it to the big leagues, there's still a pretty big learning curve that they have to go through when they get to that level. And I think he got exposed to it a little bit last year when the Audi was out that he got to play a little bit and I think learn from that experience. I, I suspect he's going to go down Memphis and play really well. And, and you know, he's going to be a major league catcher for a long time, but I just don't think that time's quite yet. What are you seeing? Let's get back to the outfield with Dylan Carlson. We know he gained 12, uh, 12 pounds of strength in the off season. Anything different with Dylan? 
His swing looks different. Yeah, I mean, he looks like he's bigger. He looks like he's bulked up a little bit. And a couple of swings he had left-handed the other day, I think, were really encouraging. He had another RBI single in the game yesterday. So, yeah, I think he came to camp with a, a little bit of a chip on his shoulder to prove that that injury that affected his wrist last year really did affect his swing and, and made a big difference in his performance. And he's trying to prove that he's healthy and he's out there to try to win a job and, and battle for you know as much playing time as he could get. All right, let's go infield, and it looks like Nolan Gorman has made some adjustments with his swing, making it more of a a line dry swing, and with his great power, he'll be able to hit home runs with that swing. What are you seeing with Nolan, and how about playing time? Because we know that uh, Brendan Donovan has gotten off to a terrific beginning. Well, there again, there he's going to benefit from from those guys being gone because you know uh, Donovan's probably going to get a lot of playing time at third now, which will open up second for for Gorman. So. I think he's the one thing that they want to see from him. The one thing that they told him to work on all winter, which he obviously did, was how to hit those high fastballs and either learn to lay off of them and not swing at all, or when he did swing, to to hit them somewhere and not you know get as much, many swing and misses in his game as he had a year ago, mostly on the pitch. But that the work that he put in this winter, you know, getting stronger and being able to to generate that uh, that bat speed at the top of the zone. So that's uh, that's an encouraging sign for him, and they're they're very happy with the progress that he's made. So, what would you envision playing time with him as we speak during the regular season? Yes, sir. I think he's going to play a lot. I mean, I think he's one of those guys who will probably play a lot of games at second base and maybe also DH, uh, you know, once or twice a week if they continue to kind of rotate those different guys through the DH spot, depending, again, on where where you need to play Donovan. I mean, I think there's enough at-bats to go around for all those guys. Just a question, how do you want to split them up? Okay. Uh, Paul DeYoung got off to a good beginning with a double and a walk. He had two hits that day. And I know he has an issue, or they're being very careful about him playing shortstop right now. What's his injury situation right now? He doesn't really have an injury, which just was a matter of he spent so much time you know, coming to camp that he really had not thrown a thrown the baseball a lot and they just want to be careful with how you know putting before putting him in a game situation that he gets his arm strength back up to where they want it to be and i think he's done that i think you'll see him at shortstop maybe even as soon as tomorrow but certainly sometime this weekend i think he'll be he'll be out playing shortstop so there's not really any concern there they're just kind of taking it slow and cautious to be just to be careful do you think the dodgers are kicking the tires on paul DeYoung, or do you think he's being discussed after the starting shortstop Gavin Lux uh, tore his ACL. Wouldn't that make sense for them to make a call? And would the Cardinals be interested in taking that call? I wondered about that, too, after I saw that Lux was going to be out for the season. And I, you know, the Cardinals had the day off today, so there's nobody to talk to over at the ballpark about, you know, what the, if there has, has happened or might happen or not. I think I think Cardinals are a little concerned, though, about who their backup infielder would be. If, if you were to move DeYoung somewhere, I think you'd have to kind of figure out who that guy would be because they're going to talk about having him bounce around a little bit and play second and play third and potentially play a little bit at first base, I think that that would be the, the not as important uh, in his role, potential role on this club. So, you know, if he's not here, then Donovan is really the only backup infielder you got, and you really want him to be playing a lot of times, you know, in the starting role. So I think that's that's what would be their concern about moving to Young at this point. You know, I think their concern right now is, you know, is he healthy and can he produce and help this club win? But then, too, if he were to go somewhere else, you know, who who takes that role on the club. Yeah, two-part question uh, on that. Can Brendan Donovan play shortstop for stretches when Tommy Edmond needs a break, A, and B, could Mason Wynn actually make the team if they would actually move DeYoung? 
I would say Donovan can play shortstop, but it's not his best position. I think second and third are by far his best positions. And he played really well on left and right last year, too. He's put, he has less experience at shortstop than I think he has in any of those other positions. But he could play it. But I think if, if Edmund would be out for a significant period of time for any reason, that would weaken the club for, for sure. When I don't know that he's quite ready for the big league roster. I think he's, he's targeted for Memphis to start this season. He's going to be here at some point. Again, he's not, you know, I don't think you would put a guy like that in a backup position at the big leagues when he's 20, you know, 20 years old. I think you'd rather have him playing every day at, at Memphis and, and getting all those at bats that are going to make it better when he gets there. All right, Jordan Montgomery, Steven Matz, each pitched two innings in a simulated game. What's the report on how they did yesterday? Everybody said they did fine, and, and it wasn't any big concern. It was just a matter of they, they felt comfortable getting one start out there on the backfields in this environment before moving into the stadium. They'll get their next start like Flaherty will uh, sometime this weekend on the on the main stage in one of the main games. What's the uh, plan with Matthew Libertor? I know there is some spots. There are some spots open on the left side in the bullpen, depending about well, Genesis Cabrera is going to make the team, but. Is he competing with with Zach Thompson for one of those spots, or does it make more sense to have Cabrera be a starter in Memphis? How do you see it? Well, I think I think the Libertor is in that mix. I think that the whole I'm fascinated by how the whole bullpen is going to shake down. I mean, they could even up even have just one left-hander in the bullpen if it if it breaks that way because of all the other right-handed guys that they've got. You know, guys like what do they do with Verhagen and Stratton and some of those ex- ex- Hudson? You know, they've got guys like they have a lot of experience and I don't know what their role is going to be. But you know, they're in a contractual situation where it's probably you know, they'll probably have the edge on on a roster spot. So the trickle down of that may affect some of the left-handed guys as well. But that there's some interesting competition that's going on with those left-handed relievers because of all those. They all have a Pretty good record of success in the past, and I think they're they're wide open to see what what happens. It's, I think whoever is going to make the team is going to be whoever pitches the best, unless it unless it just comes down to the the numbers crunch of who's got this contract and can we afford to cut him and or do we keep this guy simply because he's got a. There's no real downside to Libertor going down and starting every five days in Memphis too. He's still young. I mean, I know he said that about a lot of these guys, but but he is, and and you know with all the. Questions of everybody. I mean, picture in twenty twenty four because they have so many free, you know, agents from the point right retiring. There's been so many openings in the rotation that getting him prepped to to be ready for one of those roles in twenty twenty four would not be a bad thing. I don't think. All right, um, we want to uh, label pitchers really at a young age. He's a potential number one or two starter, or a top of the rotation starter. Nobody covers the minor leagues as well as Rob Raines in the Card organization. I'm wondering, um, I saw Tink Hentz the other day throw the scoreless inning and showed a, a, a displayed a knockout changeup for the strikeout. And then Gordon Graceffo also worked two scoreless innings yesterday, allowing just one hit. I'm wondering, do you believe that these two guys, or the, do you think the Cardinals believe that Graceffo and Hentz are both like one or two starters one day? Yes. At least, at least middle of the rotation starters. I mean, it's tough to say, you know, number one starters are really kind of a separate breed, and you earn that by your performance. And I don't know that you can see either one of those guys right now. I mean, they're still very young, again, kind of repeating our mantra for the, the morning here. Uh, so it's hard to kind of put that kind of a label on them, like you talked about, people want to do that. But I think they're both potential, you know, surefire, can't miss major league starting pitchers sooner rather than later. But how how high they go up in the order probably depends on who else is in that rotation and just their own performance. 
when will we see a Miles Michaelis contract extension? It seems like it should be done. I think the uh, whole WBC probably has something to do with that. Um, again, he's one of those guys that's leaving, and but there may just not be enough time. He's, he's talked about it a little bit, and I think maybe he's. I think maybe he's the one holding it up a little bit more so than the Cardinals, unless they, they can get the numbers exactly where he wants them, because he knows there would be a lot of interest in him as a free agent after the season if, if there is no deal. So um, I, I have, you know, potentially, I guess we could hear about it any day, but I haven't really heard any rumblings that they're kind of seriously negotiating that right now. And I think his focus is on getting over to the, the U.S. team and, and helping them win, you know, win the World Baseball Classic. Would three years and forty-five million be about right, or is that too much? I doubt that's enough for him. I bet I, I think he could get more than that on the open market. Huh. Uh, what What have you observed with uh, Jack Flaherty? Speaking of starters so far. Yeah, he had, he worked his first game out on the backfields too, just get a couple innings, and he's scheduled to start on Saturday. But again, everybody, you know, he was happy with how he pitched uh, over there and was pleased with his health and how everything's feeling and, and coming out and uh, seems to be in a good place mentally and, as well as physically. And he'll start on Saturday. And I think they're they're encouraged by what they've seen from him as well. All right, any other um, minor league player? Because I know you like to look at the backfields. Anybody uh, really intriguing to Rob Reigns that Cardinal fans should keep an eye on? Maybe we won't see him this year, but we're going to see him one day. And when he gets here, he's not going to leave. Well, the guy I think that has the potential to jump really quickly is the kid that was the first-round pick last year out of Oregon State, Cooper Jerpy, who's a left, another left-handed pitcher. Again, we talk about all these left-handed pitchers that they've got. He's another one uh, with really interesting uh, you know, talent that didn't pitch in the system last year because he had a heavy workload in the spring at, at Oregon State before the draft. So I think you're going to see him in a game. He's another guy that's probably going to get, even though he's in the minor league camp, he's going to get some, some games to the big league team you know, while all these guys are gone. For, um, for the WBC. So my guess is that he'll probably start the year at some place like Peoria and move up quickly, kind of like they did Crisefel and McGreevy a year ago. Um, so by the middle of the season, he's probably with Hens pitching in, in Springfield. And I would think maybe 2024 is a realistic uh, target for him as well. They just have to decide, again, if he's going to be a, a reliever or if they want to keep him as a starter. And that could depend on how some of these other guys perform and, and how many openings they have in their rotation. Oh, what's the latest on the pitcher from Washington University who the Cardinals yep. seem to be kind of high on? Ryan Lotus, yeah. He pitched in the game the other day. What Was it Sunday? I think this, whatever the, day, the last game, I guess it was Monday game yeah he pitched and pitched well and got a scoreless inning in and yeah i think he's he's an interesting guy i think that he undrafted a free agent that they, they has moved quickly through the system very smart guy obviously going to watch you and knows how to pitch and knows what he can do to be effective i mean i think he's learned a little bit as he's moved up each level that uh you can't just he has to be smarter than the hitter you know as far as you know how he's pitching and what how the use is uh, his pitch selection and, and abilities to, to, to throw the ball where he wants to throw it. So doesn't you know doesn't walk anybody, which is obviously a great you know plus in a relief pitcher and another guy that I think is going to pitch in the big leagues maybe as soon as uh, middle of this season. Doesn't he work for the Cardinals in the off season in their analytics department? Has some interesting we, job. We talked about that yesterday. He did some stuff last year during because that's what his, he did that at WashU. Uh, you know the computer kind of side of things. And he he did has done some of that. Uh, in the, in the past for the Cardinals, and I know he did some this winter, but he told me he stopped doing that right now. And for this season, at least, he's going to concentrate on on pitching and not try to wear both hats the, at the same time. All right, our uh, mutual friend Andy Van Slyke is really anti pitch clock and games <laughs> being decided by that. In fact, this morning 
he uh, sent me a real funny tweet. I don't know if you saw it by John Foley. Here it is. Brief delay this inning because the bat boy forgot Trey Turner's oven mitts. As part of MLB's new rules to speed up the game, the bat boy was executed. <laughs> now, with all of that, that said, like something Andy would say. Yes, um, exactly. With all that said, I, I, look, I don't want games being decided by this, but if we have to have some growing pains in spring training to teach a lesson to hitters that we don't, you know, want them pulling up Skip Schumacher and wasting all this time with their batting gloves or a pitcher walking around the mound. Uh, if we have some tough growing pains in spring training, I'm fine with it if it makes the games 25 to 30 minutes quicker. I think it's still a work in progress. I, I think the logistics of everything is still being figured out. I mean, they're even learning on the, on the fly. I mean, it's new for the umpires. It's new for the managers. It's new for the players. So I, I think it's unrealistic to expect there to be no hiccups. You know, as, 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 even the technology is, is new. So I, and how, the, how they're running it, you know, who in the press box is running the clock or exactly how that mechanics of all that works. So I think it's a, it's a work in progress for, for everybody. And I think there, there have been a few hiccups, but I think by and large, everybody's learning what, what, you know, how to tweak it. And it'll be refined a little bit. By the time everybody leaves forward, I think they'll have a better understanding about how it'll all work. And I suspect it won't be long till we're not even paying any attention or it's not being talked about uh, at, at all. So, you know, the one thing goes talked about is not just not just the pitch clock but the whole all the rules changes that they've made is that you know it's, it's one thing to have it happen in the you know third inning of the third spring training game but what it, when it potentially could affect the outcome of a game you know two on two on out by the ninth inning you know team trying to rally for a win that's that's the time that we're going to find out if what really effect it might have on a ball game so that I think that's the player's concern is let's just get it all right now so it doesn't affect the outcome of the game when it counts. But everything they've done is to make it quicker and to have more action, more stolen bases. The shift will probably create more hits. And I think, you know, the average fan is in favor of it, although some traditionalists are still barking about these these new rule changes. I, yeah, the thing I wonder is, and they, they say they've done all these studies that it did shave like 20 minutes off the time of minor league games. But you got to remember, major league games are played differently than minor league games. And major league games during the regular season are played differently than major league spring training games. You know, there are very few pitching changes in the middle of an inning. There's very few, you know, other changes that come about. You know, you may have less pickoff throws than you're going to have during a regular game. So, you know, teams major league games in spring have been 225 or 230 or whatever. I, I think you're going to still see longer games than that in the regular season. Will they be three three hours and 30 minutes? No, you might be 250 or 255 or something like that. But they're going to, it's going to save some time. I don't think it's going to save quite as much time as, as some of the people think it's going to. What do you make of the Ali Marmol C.B. Bucknor uh, controversy? They actually ended up shaking hands the next day after Ali put the hand out the first time and C.B. Yeah. would not put out his hand. What do you think? Well, uh, my mother always told me not to say anything if you couldn't say anything nice about somebody. <laughs> so I, I don't think we should talk about C.B. Buckner. Um, yeah, it was, it, it, I mean, Ali was right in what he said. and He, he knew what he was saying. He, his words were targeted. He, he said them for a purpose. He knew that it was going to elicit a reaction from MLB. But he, he wanted to make his case, and he, and he did. I mean, it's just, you know, you can't man, you can't umpire in this game at the big league level and hold a grudge against one particular player, one particular team, one particular manager. It just doesn't work that way. So you know, they, they Major League Baseball's got to get the situation figured out and tell him he's got to got to drop it a little bit. And I'm sure that's what happened before that second game. All right, what's on tap today in terms of the Cardinals and playing time? 
Uh, today they've got no game. It's one of two days off they have in the, in the spring. March 13th, the other one. So I, most guys are probably either on the golf course or sleeping in or just kind of hanging out with their if they have family down here. I suspect uh, you know, Wainwright's going to start tomorrow. It should be his last start before he heads off to the, the WBC. So um, you know they'll probably get these guys that are leaving a couple more games. You know, a couple more extra at bats and stuff before they before they head out and see how long they're they're gone. But the weather's beautiful down here. 85 degrees. I haven't seen a cloud in the sky since I've been here. So it's uh, it's a good good spring so far. Main main thing is there's no been no real surprises in the camp. Nobody injuries anybody's talking about uh, significantly. So that's always a plus when you can get through you know the first few weeks of camp without that happening. And does he uh, Ali like demand that you can't show up at Jupiter? No work at all. You guys need a day off, or how does that work? I think we just lost Rob. Okay, I think the clubhouse doors are locked. They are locked. Yeah. Wow. Okay, good. Nobody's there. All right, well, you enjoy your day off. What the heck are you going to do all day? Oh, I got a story to write. There's no day off for us. All right. I will see you there uh, next week. I'll be there midweek. Thank you so much for your time, sir. Thanks, Ryan. All right, that is Rob Range. You have to follow him on Twitter. You have to follow his columns. No one covers the Cardinals better than Rob Range. I can assure you that. All right, let's take a short.